Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Good morning, everyone. Hey, let's do that again. That sounded really good. Good morning, everyone. Hey, welcome to South Coast Christian. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. If you're joining us online, uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part. We're so glad that you have chosen to worship with us today as well. I believe God has something great for us. Amen? Amen. I believe God is ready to continue to change our lives, to be continuing to be more and more like Him. If you're new to South Coast Christian, we want to welcome you. And we just want to say thank you for being a part of this church. And uh, we encourage you in between the... Uh, the theater seats there, there's a little card that looks like this. It says, welcome home. And we encourage you to just grab that. It's in between the theater seats. If you're at home watching this online, you can find it on our website. And it says, welcome home. And just fill out the card. It's not, we don't ask for a lot of information. We only ask for your credit card and social security number for other purposes you don't need to know about. But um, no, it's name, email, phone number, address. And we don't bug you. We just, what we want to do is make sure that you stay in touch with us. And we want to keep in touch with you. I want to send a Christmas card at the end of the year and say, hey, Merry Christmas to you. So uh, if, this, if you consider this church home, then uh, guess what? Fill out the card and we want to say welcome to South Coast Christian. If you're not ready yet, don't fill out the card. No pressure, okay? Just hold on. Give it a few weeks and you'll fill it out. We also have touch cards out in the back in the lobby. These are great, guys. The little cards that all of a sudden you're talking to someone, all of a sudden the, the Holy Spirit just kind of drops into your heart. Hey, you need to invite that person to be in fellowship with us as a church. You just go like, hey, I got a card. Come to worship night with me tonight. It's 6 p.m. You know, I've noticed that you've just been, it's just been, you seem like you need something more. Come to worship night. It could change your life. And you just drop this card. And That's my sales pitch for the day. That's it. Yeah. Hey so today we're starting a new series. And Jesus asked. And it's really about the parables of Jesus that found in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, I think it's going to be a f- phenomenal series. And, and I want you to understand that we're starting this series, it's going to be eight weeks, and it's going to tie in with our life groups. So our life groups that meet uh, during the week, most of them are meeting right now on Wednesday nights, and a number of them are here at the church. I know young adults meet, I think, on Sunday night. But we want you to be a part of that, and we're going to go deeper into what the parables of Jesus, what Jesus said. How, what does Jesus said, how do we allow that to change our lives? So we encourage you to be a part. we got a life group for every age, and so we want you to join in with us on that. Um, I want to dismiss Echo Jehi today. Uh, give them a round of applause as they get up. Thank you guys for worshiping with us today. Come on. Hey, we have girls this time. Last week it was all boys. I was thinking, man, that was a lot of boys that Daniel had to take care of, but I see girls here today. Yay. Oh, and even more. Yay. Welcome, guys. Very cool. Um, so we're starting this new series, Jesus Asked. Uh, Jesus, if you didn't know this, but Jesus was an extraordinary teacher. Uh, he had this gift of communicating with all people, making people feel welcomed. He had this gift to just get inside and, and help people to learn the truth. And, of course, Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. His teachings reflect the very nature of God because guess what? Jesus is God. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 49, he says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So every, every word that Jesus spoke had a purpose and it had a meaning. And one of the teaching tools that Jesus often used when he would communicate 
with, uh, with people, the, the crowds. A lot of times he would use this teaching tool that were parables. And really parables were, to, were about the kingdom of God, and they were really to explain deeper truths. The word parable is derived from two, two Greek words. The first, the first is per, para, which is a prefix that means alongside or something else. We could think of the English word parallel, where all of a sudden the two things are running parallel to each other. Para. So that's kind of the idea of that. And then for the other, for an example, it would be like a paralegal. So a paralegal is a person that goes alongside of an attorney. So it's para. And then the second part is the word balo, which means to cast or to throw. So a parable is a story that is cast alongside a truth that is being taught. And Jesus used this all the time. He'd be sharing a truth, and then he would cast alongside of it this little short little story about, about that truth. Now, parables are normally fictitious, but usually extremely relevant to the culture of the day. They're very relevant to the crowds that were around him. They might not be as relevant to us today, but we still understand it. To, to the time of Jesus' day, they were extremely relevant to what he's talking about. The interesting fact about Jesus' parables is that they always carried a deeper revelation or a deeper truth. Now catch this, that a lot of people never could understand. Especially those who were stuck in their thinking or stuck in their own ways. If you remember, Jesus even had to take time to explain the parables to his very own disciples because they didn't understand some of the, some of the parables. And I want to talk a little bit about that today because I want us to really understand the method that Jesus was using to teach. Jesus made an interesting statement after the parable of the sower. After he got done t- sharing that parable of the sower, he said these words. He says, he who has ears, let them hear. Now, I'm just kind of looking through the audience real quick. I think you all have ears. Check them, make sure you have them on your head. Do you have ears? Yeah. So it's an interesting statement. Why would Jesus say, let them, those who have ears, let them hear? I mean, we all have ears. What did Jesus mean? Jesus was referring more than just hearing. He was referring to understanding the truth. It's a heart that is soft. It's a heart that desires the truth. It's a heart that desires to obey God's truth. I know many people, catch this, I know many people that have heard the truth. But they don't have the heart or the desire to obey the truth. Jesus said this to his disciples in Mark chapter 4. Kind of a controversial scripture. And if you first read it, you're thinking, man, some things in the Bible that you read, you're like, whoa, what does that mean? How does that? This is kind of one of those verses. It's Mark chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Jesus' words, Jesus said. You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now Jesus is going to quote Isaiah 6, 9 here. He's going to quote from the Old Testament. And he says, when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and they will be forgiven. Why would Jesus, because when you read this scripture, doesn't it sound like when you, as you read the scripture that Jesus is trying to hide the truth from people? Then when, that, when you first read it, why would Jesus want to hide the truth from people? But this is not what Jesus is trying to communicate. This is not what Jesus is saying. Parables were meant to provide a deeper understanding for people who were seeking the truth. 
But for those who are lovers of themselves, or for those who are lovers of the culture of this world, for the corruption of this world, the truth would not be discovered. It wasn't so much that the truth was hidden. It wasn't like Jesus was hiding the truth. But the corruption of a person's heart rejected the truth. Or you could say that their heart didn't want to be exposed to the truth because of their love for sin. Otherwise, what does the scripture say? If they would turn to Jesus, guess what that would happen? What would happen if they would turn to Jesus? They would find forgiveness. But again, if they make that choice, it requires of them to turn away from something to go after something else. But if they didn't want that and their heart did not desire that, guess what? The parable went right over their head. They didn't even see the truth that Jesus was trying to share. There are two types of people. I, I really kind of discovered this. There's two types of people that are in this world. Those who want to be set free from sin and those who want to embrace sin. People who desired more than what this world will offer. Those are the people that want to be set free from sin. And the parables of Jesus were designed for those who were seeking to be set free. They were tired of the corruption. They were tired of this sin. They wanted to see some goodness. They wanted to see love and kindness. They were seeking for something greater. One of the most common themes found throughout Jesus' parable is the good news about the kingdom of heaven. It's one of the main themes in the parables. Where corruption is no longer, where sin is no longer, where sin no longer reigns, where there is no more tears, where there is no more sorrow, all of a sudden we, the kingdom of heaven is perfection. Anybody want, desire a little bit of that? Over the next eight weeks, I'm going to share about different parables and the meaning behind each parable. The truth that Jesus wanted his believers to discover. The goal of our time is to discover what Jesus said. To accomplish this, we need to set aside our biases, our preconceptions. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth that God, that Jesus spoke. We want that to be revealed into our life. We need to become childlike. A blank canvas to receive. Jesus said, unless you have a faith of the child, you'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? It means that we're going to lay down the preconceived ideas that we have, the biases that we have. I'm not talking about laying down the truth of God's word. I'm talking about laying those things down that we all of a sudden grab a hold of that are not from God. we got to lay those things down so that we can follow after Christ. I want to begin this series by sharing a parable that is found in, actually it's two little parables that are found in Matthew chapter 13. And if you look at this chapter, you'll see that this, this, this chapter, 13, contains seven different parables. These are the words that Jesus said. And the one common theme found in each one of these parables is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus began the majority of these parables, he, he began with the following words. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And then he sh shared this parable or this illustration the whole chapter 13 is about the kingdom of heaven. He wanted it in our spirit. He wanted those who were searching to discover the kingdom of heaven in their life so it could be changing. He wanted them to understand who he was. He was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And they could discover that if they were truly searching after him. Kingdom of heaven is like. It's the number one subject that Jesus shared on 
the most in, in, in when he was using parables. In fact, how many would like some homework this week? Okay. Whew. Man, I was afraid. So about, for those watching online, about, about 10 people, okay. So anyhow, hopefully you raised your hand online. Let me give you oh, some homework this week. There are seven parables. You can take a parable a day. And you could read that parable and just apply it to your life. So I, the parables are literally three, four, five, six sentences. They're not very long. And so what I encourage you this week to do is take in Matthew 13, take the time to read a parable. And then what I want you to do is just meditate on that parable. Just let that parable, too many times we just try to get through our reading. Like I got to read the Bible. Okay, I'm done. What good does that do? Take the parable. In fact, most of these parables you can almost memorize. They're that short. Take the parable, read through it once, twice, three times. And then I want you to allow that to med just meditate on that parable throughout the day. And just go, God, what do you want to reveal to me in my life through that parable? The kingdom of heaven is the number one subject that Jesus shared about most when using parables. The parable that I want to focus on today is actually two parables that are used together. They are very short parables. Basically, in my translation, it's four sentences. And let me read it to you today. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 and 40 through 46. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything that he owned and bought it. Let's just take a moment. I love to pray before I move forward from the scripture reading because I just ask for God to open up our hearts. Amen. So Lord, I pray right now that your word will have a powerful effect in our lives. Let us lay down preconceived ideas, biases that we might have in our life, different thoughts that we might be thinking, food or football or whatever. We might, put all that stuff away. Let us, Lord God, be able to receive from you your word. I pray, God, that your word, Lord God, will change our life. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Both of these parables really teach the same lesson. The question is what Jesus was trying to say to us. What is Jesus saying to us in these parables? And there's three takeaways I want to share with you today. And the first takeaway is this. The kingdom of heaven is to be treasured. I think many of us don't really think about the kingdom of heaven enough. I think we enjoy God's creation here on earth, but we forget that God has something greater than what we see now. We, we, we have something great. We see we get so caught up on the here and now that we forget about the future. We forget that eternity... That, our life today is a drop in the ocean to compare to what we have for all of eternity with God. And so many times we get caught up in today, the here and now, that we forget about the kingdom of heaven. We forget about what God has created for us. If the creation that we see around us right now is so beautiful, forget all the stuff that we have to deal with, politics, all that. Just look at creation. If it's so beautiful, can you imagine what God has designed for us for all of eternity? Think about that thought. I've thought about that. It's just mind-blowing. The greatest golf courses ever up in heaven. Amen. Okay, here we go. 
I don't know if there's golf courses. I'm just teasing. The kingdom of heaven, the point I'm trying to make is the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus is trying to say, is to be treasured. Have you ever thought, I have, have you ever thought what would happen if your home caught on fire? Have you ever thought, what would you take from your house? If all of a sudden your home caught on fire and you literally only had two or three minutes to go inside your house, what would you take out of that house? Now, most of us realize that home insurance is going to cover most things, right? So I'm not going to ask Annette, you know, hey, let's go back in. Hey, babe, don't forget the blender. Man, don't, you know, that blender. No, insurance is going to. What I'm going to look for is our wedding pictures, our home videos. My, my, my wife and I both have our grandfather's Bibles. Um, my dad's sermons that are handwritten up in my bookshelf. Those are things that I treasure. Those are things that I'm going to go in and I'm going to grab a hold of. Because those things in my life are irreplaceable. Those are things that are important to me. Is the kingdom of heaven irreplaceable to you? Is it valuable enough that you would sacrifice everything to retain it? Even your own life. Would you be willing to do so? It really comes down to the simple statement. In our life, for each and every one of us. What do you value? What do I value in my life? Jesus stated the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure of a pearl of great price. What would you trade for the kingdom of heaven? Is there anything greater or more valuable to you? The Apostle Paul states it this way. I love the Apostle Paul. He just gets right to the... Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he meanders. But most of the time he gets right to the point. He states it this way. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but I now consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to, with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. If you didn't know this, before the Apostle Paul was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was one of the elite people of, re, of religious rulers in the Pharisees. He was a, considered to be one of the guys that maybe even could go up to be, you know, one of the high priests in the Pharisaical, whatever that was, you know. And so he believed in the customs of the Jewish customs. He believed in all the Jewish laws. He he. he Man, he bled for those things. He, man, he, in fact, he persecuted the Christians because he saw that the Christians were against some of these things. They were against some of the rules, some of the things that he had grown up with. And he, and he had all these things. And now Paul, because of his relationship with Jesus, because all of a sudden that he discovered something that was so great in his life, he was willing to say no to all those things. He was willing to say all that time he invested over here, guess what? That's all garbage in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It was a decision that he made in his life. His faith was in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus was a great, great pearl, a great pearl of great value in his life. As we choose to follow Jesus, our values need to change so that our values become what God values. Um, let me illustrate it this way. How many have ever had a garage sale? Or maybe in Orange County we call it an estate sale. Estate sale. Make it a little nicer, a little fancier. 
And, you know, you, you've had a garage sale. You've had it, you put it out in your yard, your yard sign out, having a garage sale. You put it in, in the newspaper and, and people come around and they, they look at your stuff. And many times, my wife and I are looking at kind of starting to remodel our house a little bit. It's kind of, there's some things that are starting to age. And we thought, you know what, let's, let's do a few things here that we can afford. And let's start repainting and do some things that we want to do. And, but one of the things, if you wanted to, to change, and I'm going to talk about this in the, in the area. And I'll talk a little, a little bit more about sanctification. It's a big word, but let me talk about it. In fact, let me go there first. Sanctification is a process. When we come to Christ, bam, when we choose to follow after Jesus Christ, when we say, Christ, you are my Lord and Savior, at that moment you are saved. At that moment the grace of God comes upon your life and you are saved. Boom. But then there's this place, this thing called sanctification. It's what Paul is talking about. Where all of a sudden some of the old things, that kind of baggage that you still have dragging around, that you keep dragging around with you. The sanctification process is letting go of those things so that you can embrace Christ even more. That's why we did the 21-day fast. It's to help us to let go of certain things. I haven't had coffee for 21 days and I had a cup of coffee this morning. Hallelujah. But you know what? Some of those things we need to let go of so we can have more of Christ. So a garage sale is letting go of some. Man, if you go through your house, come on, guys. I pulled, up, I pulled open a drawer the other day in an armoire. I'm looking. We have, we have CD container things. You know what I mean? That whole CD. What am I ever going to use? I got like a thousand of those in my. What am I ever going to use those for anymore? Toss them out. They're, not, they're worthless to me. They're garbage. I don't need them anymore. There's something better. See, sanctification is like a garage sale. It's choosing to get rid of all the stuff so I can just keep on, keep on walking towards Christ even more in my life. The second truth that I want to share from these two short parables is Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, if you read his parables, it must be discovered. In both parables, we see that something was discovered. The first parable, it was a hidden treasure that was discovered in a field. Now, in our culture, this probably doesn't make a lot of sense. We, I don't know if you've buried any treasures. I'm going to go, my, my neighbors are here, Alan. I'm going to go dig up your backyard and make sure you haven't buried any treasures, you know, in the backyard. Uh, I can hop the fence and see if there's anything back there. But we don't bury treasures. But see, in Jesus' day, they didn't have a Bank of America on the corner or Chase. You know, they didn't have a safe to put their valuables in. They didn't have a safety deposit box or maybe you invest in the stock market. They had the ground where they'd take their, they'd put it in a chest and they'd bury it in the ground. And, and Jesus is talking about this, this person who found this treasure out in a field. You see, instead of a safety deposit box key, it was basically a treasure map that would lead to a location. It reminds me kind of the, the movie National Treasure and, you know, a cool movie and where they were looking for the artifacts that were priceless. But this man in the parable came across a hidden treasure. And most likely, if you, the story is super short, but grab a hold of it. Most likely, the owner that probably has died, buried a treasure in this field, never told anybody, and that treasure is still in this field. This person came across it, but he doesn't own the field. So once he discovers that the treasure is in the field, he sells everything that he has so that he can go out and purchase that field. The point is, the man discovered something great of, of great value. The second parable is very similar. In the parable of the merchant, he was on the lookout for choice pearls. 
Pearls in those days carried great value. They could have more value than gold or silver or diamonds. They had great value. And when he discovered this one pearl that had tremendous value, he had to have it. He'd been looking for this high quality, quality pearls. And, but this was beyond anything he'd ever seen before. And he was willing to sell everything that he had so that he could have this one thing. It's interesting that in both stories, the treasure was hidden or it had to be discovered. Many people, catch this, many people miss the discovery process because they are not searching. They're not looking for something greater. They become, they become comfortable with what they have. Many of the Pharisees were comfortable with their Jewish customs. They were comfortable with their own belief systems. They were comfortable with their own values. See, that's what the Apostle Paul said. I say that's all garbage now in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. They were literally, they, were, they weren't searching for a Savior. They say they were, but they really weren't searching for the Savior. Otherwise, they would recognize Jesus that was standing before them. Instead, the Pharisees plotted to kill Jesus. They plotted to crucify Jesus. They were spiritually blind to the Savior that was standing right in front of them. Think about this. Jesus was healing the sick. He was miraculously feeding those who were hungry. He was casting out demons. But even in the midst of all that, they still couldn't see that Jesus Christ was their Savior. Their unbelief made them blind to the obvious. I'll say it again. Because it requires faith for us to take this journey. Their unbelief made him blind to the obvious. But to the blind man who can now see. To the deaf person who can now hear. To the leper who is now cleansed. cleansed. Guess what? Jesus was obvious to them. They recognized him as a Lord and Savior. They recognized that this man was from God. Why? Because they were searching for answers. They were searching for something more than what this world could offer. It's why Jesus said this, this scripture in Matthew 19, 21, 23, Jesus' words. I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they aren't searching for something more. They become comfortable with what they have. They become satisfied in their life. Notice it's, it's not impossible for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. It's just more difficult. Now, I'm going to declare all of you guys sitting here are rich. If you're living in Orange County, you're rich. So we're all the same here. Sorry, comparison to the rest of the world, we're rich. Why is it harder for us to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Because so many times what happens is we put our values into things instead of into Christ. What do we value? And so sometimes we get confused. We, get, we start to waver. There's nothing wrong with what God has created. There is nothing wrong with our creation. It's just so important that we, do put, but we, do, we don't put God's creation above the creator. I said that last week. I say it again. Jesus has to be the number one thing in our life. But for those the blind for the deaf, for those people, desperation. See, desperation has a tendency to drive us to search for answers. Are you desperate for Jesus? Is your life desperate for change? Do you want more than what the world can offer? It's like the story that's found in the Gospels about the woman who had been constantly bleeding for 12 years. 
She had gone from doctor to doctor to doctor, spent most of her money trying to search for something, trying to find an answer. But then all of a sudden she hears about this man named Jesus who had been healing the sick. There's changes. And all of a sudden something leapt in her heart. Something just leaped in her heart. And all of a sudden she thought in her heart, man, if I could just touch a hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. Why was that so important? Because she was desperate. She was desperate. She had been bleeding for 12 years. She was desperate for a change. She, she wanted something more than what this world could offer. She had seen all the doctors. No one could resolve anything. In fact, they made her worse. She was desperate. She found what she wanted. She found healing in Jesus, and her search was over. Once you find Christ, there is no more reason to keep searching. You have found the answer. The last takeaway I would like to share from these two parables is the kingdom of heaven requires sacrifice. Another parallel theme found in these two parables is that both people who had found the treasures were willing to sacrifice everything to purchase that treasure. Nothing was beyond their sacrifice. They sold everything that they had for the opportunity of gaining the treasure. It's not, it, it's not that you can ever purchase your salvation. So I don't want you to think that all of a sudden Pastor Tom says I can purchase my salvation. If I come and I give my money, I give my tithes or whatever else. No, 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 no. There will be tithers in hell. Pastor Tom, what did you say? I'm telling you the truth. If you think that you can buy your way into, into heaven, it's never going to happen. It's only by the grace of God. Tithing is a reaction because of our love for Christ. It's never what we, see, we can never do anything to earn our salvation. But when you choose to follow after Christ, it will require sacrifice. It does. The Apostle Paul, when I shared his story, it required the sacrifice of all the things that he had built. He was trying to build in his past, all these things that he was trying to do. All of a sudden, he considered all those things, not necessarily were they even bad, but in comparison to Christ, they were garbage in comparison to Christ. See, for these people, nothing was beyond their sacrifice. They said they sold everything for the opportunity of gaining that treasure. Think about the merchant who was searching for fine pearls. Basically, he was a retail person. His business was to purchase pearls. And he'd find these beautiful pearls probably down at the docks off the ships. And he'd buy those and then he'd resell them. And, and, but then all of a sudden, as he was looking for these pearls, all of a sudden he found this one that he'd never seen anything like it before. It was extravagant. It was amazing. And he was one of, you think about it, he was collecting pearls. But he was willing to sell everything he had, including his collection of pearls, for the opportunity to have the one, the pearl of great value. See, it requires faith. It requires sacrifice. It's a reminder that nothing great happens without sacrifice. What's amazing is Jesus exemplifies the very sacrifice that is found in these two parables. Jesus was willing to sacrifice all, his very own life, so that he could purchase our salvation. He could purchase your salvation. He could purchase my salvation. In John chapter 4, it states this. Four, John 4 verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is how valuable you are 
in God's eyes. You are his creation. You are his child. Our faith in Jesus should be a passion that burns within us. It's a treasure that we will never let go from our possession. I want to close with this final thought. The parable that Jesus, two parables that Jesus shares, the, the treasure found in the field, the pearl of great price, it's the opportunity of understanding who heaven and Jesus is. But see, the other side of that is in God's eyes, you are a pearl of great price. You are special. You were created for a purpose. Think about it. Why would Jesus come to earth and sacrifice his life for you and for me? Unless there was something so special about you that he wanted to spend all of eternity with you. He loves you that much. Our Heavenly Father bankrupted heaven. He was willing to give his own son and Jesus was willing to be the sacrifice so that he could clear our sins away through our faith in him so that we could have relationship with him. These two parables should be a reminder to all of us. What do we truly value? What really matters in our life? Is Jesus our greatest possession? Is he your greatest treasure? Sometimes we need to reevaluate what's really important. Sometimes we need to have a garage sale. This week I want to see all of you guys put in the paper, a garage sale at such and such place location. But spiritually, there's times we need to have a garage sale. When you say, God, you know what, this, 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 it's just gotten in the way of understanding who you really are in my life. And my treasure is you. It's greater than anything else that I have. We need to reevaluate what's really important. I encourage you today, don't get distracted. Stay on course in your faith in following after Jesus. He will change your life. Not only will he change your life for today, but he will change your life for all of eternity. All of your future. Keep him as your number one treasure. Amen? Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word does not return void, God, that it is powerful, it is effective, Lord God, it changes lives. By the power of your Holy Spirit, lives are being touched and they're being changed right now. Online, people is watching, Lord God, I pray right now over people, Lord God, their hearts are being touched, their lives are being changed because of the power of your word. I pray, God, that we would make a commitment to follow after you in a way that that we've, just like the blind person who wanted to see, like the deaf person who wanted to hear, like the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, the desperation for you, Lord God, would become the number one central focus of our life because, Lord God, we want to be changed into your image. We want, to, Lord God, to walk like you, talk like you, see like you. God, we want to, Lord God, walk in your image in a way, Lord God, not only is our life changed, but the lives that are around us are impacted and changed. Eyes closed for just a minute. If you're here today, if you're watching online, or maybe you're here in our congregation right now, and you have never made that very first step, you didn't understand this whole process, you've never chosen to follow after Christ, you all of a sudden, for the very first time, are discovering there's a treasure there that I've never taken a hold of. And you want to make that commitment today where, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically sell everything. I'm going to basically, and I'm not talking physically, I'm talking about spiritually, I'm going all out for Jesus. You remember made that commitment and you want to make that choice today. Today is the day of salvation. I want you just to raise your hand real boldly. And just say, yeah, that's me. I want to do that today. If you're watching us online, man, make that commitment right now. 
If you're making that commitment, we want to hear from you at the church. Man, let your host or hostess just say, man, today I accepted salvation. Declare it loudly. Declare it boldly today. I want to say a prayer, and I want our congregation to say it with me. See, if we treasure Jesus, this would be one of the most exciting. Pastors shouldn't be the only one excited about this right now. Man, we should be excited about people making a, a commitment to Christ. Just teaching process. Say this prayer with me, everybody, everyone. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you today. I say no to sin. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. Set my life free. I treasure you. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on. God is good. If you choose to follow after Christ, He will change your life. If you made that commitment online, He is going to work through that process, that process of sanctification. Your salvation is secure today and forever. But man, the sanctification process, the process of just kind of letting go of other stuff so we can find a better life with Christ is going to happen in your life if you put Him first. Thank you for being here today. I'm going to come back in just a couple minutes. I want to say a closing prayer. But man, I want you to stand today. I want you to celebrate. Come on, stand up today. Come on. If you want to stand and if you're watching online, stand up. And we're going to celebrate Christ today. We're going to worship. Man, we're going to worship like crazy. Because you know what? Christ is who we treasure. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.